Hey you guys, welcome back to the podcast! This is episode 3 of our little mini-series of panel discussions on different religious and cultural topics. Um, Stephanie and Manly joined me again, and we're joined by my friend Eric, who has a non-religious sort of agnostic perspective, but he has some interesting things to say. And we, and last night we talked about, um, morality and whether there is an objective moral code and if you don't believe in god if it's possible to get to some kind of moral reality or belief in a moral system or a moral code so it was a very interesting discussion it got super interesting near the end and we were kind of sad to end it actually the uh our discussion kind of went for almost another hour off the stream once we ended so we were like well maybe we shouldn't restrict it to an hour if we get rolling we'll just keep rolling um but we had a lot of fun thanks to everybody who came and hung out with us and if you are listening to this on audio make sure you stop by one of these times to the live stream so you can join in the conversation during the live chat that's adventist millennial on youtube or on facebook and hopefully, um, hopefully we'll pick up next week where we left off with some spicy takes and some interesting conversations. So enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Um, I already saw one comment from Jacob. Intro music is fun. Well, thanks. That's the stock stream yard <laughs> intro music. I made it myself. No, I'm just kidding. Um, welcome back, everybody. I'm glad that we're all here. Uh, just to give a little recap and an intro, we are doing a series of six live stream discussions here on this channel where we're talking about just various things regarding religion, culture, uh, our generation, which would be me, um, millennial, and then maybe some other Gen Z and other people of our general age bracket, what our experience is with uh, Christianity mostly, but just religion in general and how it actually applies to our lives, whether that's for the good or for the bad. We all kind of have different beliefs and different backgrounds and some agreements, some disagreements, but that's why we're here. Is we, I just wanted to have a place where people could share honestly about their beliefs because one of the things that I've noticed over and over again in the last well, really, most of my life is that people, a lot of people that I know myself, well, probably not me because here I am publicly podcasting left and right, but most people that I know have a lot of thoughts and questions, but they are not, they're afraid or unwilling to talk about it in public. So that's why I wanted to do this series, and we're trying to get a couple of other people hopping in with us from time to time. The core three are me and Manly and Stephanie, and tonight we have my friend Eric, who I'll introduce to you in a, in a second. But I also just wanted to let everybody know that um, you can watch this either on YouTube or on Facebook. We're streaming it, and then you can play it back. But also, I'm uploading the audio version to my podcast, RSS, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google podcast, etc. I had somebody in the comments on YouTube had said they would rather listen while they work out than watch it on YouTube. So if you prefer that, I usually upload it the next day to the audio stream. Um, so you can download it there and just listen however you want. Um, and then what was the other thing? Oh, I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who's been showing up and chatting in the comment section. It's been fun to interact with people and, um, and yeah, hopefully we'll have some more people tonight. But if not, we'll have a good discussion. Um, so we'll do quick intro. Uh, maybe, I think most people hopefully know Stephanie and Manly, but I wanna give a little intro for Eric. Eric and I met, I don't know, probably three or four years ago now, something like that. We met in another online community that we both followed a political podcast and they had some local meetups for followers in different areas. And we met up that way and hung out a little bit uh, when we both lived in Southern California and became friends. And then he, when I moved and then he eventually moved too, he would come to my Zoom game nights and we've just stayed in touch since then. But he is a sort of differing voice um, and I'll let him explain a little bit more about himself and what his background is. Hey everyone! I've been uh, catching up on all the on, on all of your episodes. Uh, uh, your podcast has been 
very interesting and I'm happy to be on it. Um, God, where do I start? So um, <laughs> all the way back at the beginning, um, my father uh, grew up with uh, very conservative uh, Christians, uh, Pentecostal uh, Holinists in rural North Carolina uh, for the first uh, seven years of his life. But then uh, a lot of the uh, turbulence, oh, I should say before I continue, uh, I have a stutter. If you hear any t t turbulence on the part of my own voice, that is what you're hearing. Don't worry. It's not uh, nerves. Well, it's probably nerves a little bit, but so he. Don't um, worry, we can follow along. <laughs> you got it, right? Um, so he. Um, uh, after a, a series of events that were largely created by his biological mother, um, came to kind of hate religion. And my theory is, is that he was um, given the values of his religious upbringing in those first seven years, which is what a linguist called a critical period. And then he decided he was against religion. And so I had a um, kind of like, you know, a, a American upbringing, I guess you'd call it, you know, the, the, there was Christmas and Easter, no Jesus. And I tell religious for, for, for friends that are and they're like, what? How does that work? Um, and uh, so, so, so at um, some point, I f f f found my way back to seeking um, in the context of um, politics, because politics and religion, you know, the two things that you're not supposed to talk about at parties, are fundamentally tied together, I think. And that's how I'm here. Awesome. Cool. Well, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. Um, but I'm curious if you could give uh, a little bit, has your, have your beliefs evolved at all over time? Or would you say that you've been pretty, um, you've been pretty, You've had a good a good sense of your beliefs, and they haven't changed that much. Oh God! So so my beliefs have been on a, a roller coaster in, uh, I think probably in, um, like as a young child, I believed in uh, Santa Claus. I can I can say that, and then in uh, high school, I flirted with atheism quite a bit, although I had a uh, vision of uh, hellfire, interestingly enough, as I um, contemplated some of the darker parts of my uh, growing up experience. And I think that that's partly because being almost 40, uh, I was raised on uh, 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 Hollywood movies like uh, um, Ro Robin Williams and what, what Dreams May Come, for example, where, you know, his wife ends up in hell because she... she yeah. She... Uh, that's a trippy movie. Yes, it <laughs> if is. If anybody hasn't right? seen that, you should watch it. And then he has to, you know, go down and rescue her. Um, and then as I got into college, I was with a, uh, a rather religious Jew. And I uh, had to put, put like a s scientific sp spin on spirituality so i you know thought about all of the concepts that christians 
do as like energies and uh, um, quantum entanglements and all that kind of thing. And and now I would say I um, uh, have a wish to be more Christian than I actually am because I think it's helpful for rationality in some senses, which is a strange thing to say, perhaps. But I see the benefits of having that kind of foundation intellectually. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. That is an interesting thing that I have been thinking about for a few years um, and haven't quite come to a conclusion on. Because on the one hand, you have like, okay, <laughs> just me starting out, I, I'm so like... um. Oh, all possibilities and all ideas are open for consideration that I don't try not to ever take a really hard stance on anything because, you know, like, I even have an email address that's like, you don't know that because in my mind, you can't ever know anything for sure. Um, so, but with that being said, I, I do think that my tendency, having come from a religious background, is to point out the possible flaws and the possible detriments there um, going this direction, but you can also see them coming the other direction, coming from like a secular or a non-religious background, pointing out the bad possibilities of that and coming down. Uh, it's it's difficult for me to say like um, point blank whether one or other is better or worse for any particular person. Do, do, and do any of you guys have a thought on that concept of like, okay, I'm willing to definitively say, despite its flaws, Christianity is a better worldview or a better rubric for life, or despite its flaws, secular or non-religious worldview is a better rubric for life. And while you guys think about that, I just want to shout out to all of the viewers, hey Ian, hey Rose, and then Travis, welcome. We're glad you guys are here. Let us chime in too if you guys have thoughts along the way. So anybody have any thoughts about what I just yeah. said? Go ahead. I think that the major religions typically do have a lot of positivity and I think positivity inspires motivation, which inspires us to problem solve and to grow. So like basically withstand healthy stress. So I think that that is easier to access when you have a pre-made worldview than when you have to make it yourself. Ah, so it yeah. saves you like brain power and stress and time and energy, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So would you say that it's less important the inherent like a truth of such a worldview more than it just is there? Can you rephrase the question? Sorry. Um, like if it's better to have a preset uh, worldview that's compounded over many people thinking about it over time and building it up and into a culture, is it is that just the important part or is it also important for that to be somehow true? Well, I guess that depends on the person. I definitely think the truth matters more than, I guess, anything but for a lot of people they just want tools to survive more so than answers yeah so okay yeah. so yeah so i would kind of agree with that uh, like if you like the idea that some people don't want to don't need or want it necessarily to make perfect sense logically they just need um a framework to live their life by and then some people probably i would argue you and i <laughs> need more have a big larger need to like work it out for ourselves even if there's a pre-existing sort of rationale we want to check it and then rebuild it from our own point of view something like that yeah exactly especially because i think that pre-existing one isn't perfect ever so it's like yeah. us who are willing to kind of break it down and and kind of yeah. reframe or restructure. 
Although I do, I also do think there is value in sort of the condensed and distilled wisdom over time of many people thinking about the same concepts over history and writing about it and talking about it and all that. So I guess that's partly why we're here, because <laughs> we could all just go away to our little hole and think about it ourselves, but we want to bounce it around together. Nice. Uh, we have a couple of comments here. Jacob says, I wouldn't say one worldview is healthier or better than another. I think it's primarily dependent on how that worldview is expressed. Okay, that is a fair point. Um, I My own instinct is to, say, is to say that there is some objective truth to be uncovered in the world, but how you get to it or how you express it, like you said, um, it looks very different for different people. So maybe maybe we're saying the same thing, maybe we're not. <laughs> See, everything everything is nothing at the end of the day. I'm not a relativist, but it might sound like it sometimes by the way I talk because, you know, that, nothing is definitive. J j j j j j Jacob, thank you for your comment. I think that, you know, that we have to um, probably have some kind of metric on on um, world, world view, view views in the sense of like um, you know there there must be bad ones right it's not not to say, say that like oh uh, Catholic versus pro, 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 Protestant oh one is clearly bad and the other not no it's not that it, it, it's like you know if you believe that um a you know that there's a certain ethnic group that, that should not not be uh, on the planet anymore like that would probably be a bad worldview yeah. right and regardless of exactly how it's expressed although if it's you know expressed in a totally um, uh, benign way um, that would be interesting and um, <laughs> yeah, that would be funny a whole worldview that's totally benign that would yeah. be like you know I believe in the care bears or something even then you have some something caring is not that benign I suppose but yeah that's a good point although I wouldn't draw a distinction here um, in my mind, like, uh, uh, if you, you could take a worldview purely based on its cold rationality, and then to bring in, uh, Jacob's point about, depending on how it's expressed, that's now we're bringing in like a value judgment, right? Cause it could be expressed any which way, but the implication or the implicit, um, thing there is that depending on how it's expressed it could be good or bad like there's some kind of value there so i think there are two separate two separate pieces because you could have just a totally rationalistic um worldview like that's where the marquis de sade really went with its whole philosophical um delve into sadism where if you follow the logic of it all the way down it's basically do as thou wilt right and how you express that most of the time people generally speaking people would make a value judgment that that's bad so it's it's interesting to separate the two concepts of like a logically consistent and internally consistent worldview versus the value judgment of like whether it's a good one or a bad one good comment i think we'll probably come back to this um when we talk a little bit more about um, morality and stuff. Travis says, having a worldview and taking time to develop what yours is helps to connect a person's beliefs. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's both the experience for people who grow up in the church and then whether they stay or not, if you stay at some point, you have to take it on. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> But it's, it's probably a good idea if you take it on as your own belief system in the, and in the process, understand what that means to you and develop your own perspective on it, which a lot of people, um, I, I won't go so far as to say people do or don't do that. They can decide that for themselves. But I think that is an emphasized point. You know, a lot of Christians like to say stuff like, oh, God has no grandchildren, just children. You know, it's the idea that, like, everybody has to come to God on their own. They're not just grandfathered in. Um, but, yeah, but then on the flip side of that, a lot of people 
in trying to um, tie their beliefs together for themselves end up sort of like outside the fold as it were. And that's like, you know, that's scary for a lot of people who, who want to uh, stick with the provided wisdom or have fear of like, you know, people being lost or something. Cool, thanks, Travis. Um, all right, so going back to our question about morality, one of the things that I've been wondering about is, uh, maybe this is something we can all get on the same page about, because it seems implicitly we all do think that there is some kind of moral order to the world. You know, there is good and bad. There is some kind of moral uh, code to the universe. So traditionally speaking, religious people and Christians especially um, believe that that moral code is derived from God. But if you happen to be a person who doesn't believe in God, one, can you get to morality without God? And two, if you can, how and what does morality look like? I have some thoughts on that. Um, okay. I think 100% you can get to quote unquote morality without God. If morality is defined as behaving in a way that a society can successfully move forward and evolve in a positive direction. I think it's easy to prove that you can do that without uh, directly saying, I believe in God. Um, now, I think it'd be intellectually dishonest to say that uh, Christianity didn't take a role in that, or at least Judeo-Christian values didn't take a role, because if you look at how most uh, developed countries and societies came into being, it it kind of was through conquer, unfortunately, but it came from a lot of Judeo-Christian values and people coming in and saying, hey, this is how we do things. We don't slaughter. It's ironic because technically <laughs> it's like, hey, we don't like, you know, the Ten Commandments, but obviously yeah, we kill people in order to achieve the Ten Commandments and amongst them. <laughs> <laughs> but um I think that having a a spiritual structure, a religious structure around your belief system and your philosophy to shape your behavior is beneficial. But um, I'm a fan of saying that science and God are incorporated together in the sense that I actually believe that God created everything. And if God created everything, then there is a natural order to existence. And if there's a natural order to existence, then that can be studied and probably proven what yeah. works the best. And that's not to say that that wouldn't mean to me that God doesn't exist if I can figure out how to be a good person without God. That means God exists and God created everything and you should be able to figure out how to be a good person. Without, yeah. Without you God. should be able to observe morality whether you know its source or not. Exactly. And I don't yeah. think that some people would say like, manly, that's horrible. That's like her heresy. But for me, I'm like, I think God was very smart when he did that. Because <laughs> that means that whether we believe in him or not, we're probably going to try and do something right. I mean. Yeah, well, it would make sense. It would have to follow that if God exists, I mean, assuming it's a rational God, then the world that we live in would follow by some sort of logic or some sort of setup. However, um, there was another point that I was going to make, which has just recently flown from my mind. So if anyone else wants to jump in, I'm going to try to recall it, but go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, the, the uh, stories that you hear are talking about like Christianity be, 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 being a, a kind of a conquering force. You know, that's certainly uh, evidently true as we look into, into history. And I think that comes partly so my, my bachelor's is in uh, pre-medical science, general science, and I have some uh, sub-specialties sub there. And I'm, I'm very interested in uh, uh, cell theory, uh, spread theory primarily, as it com comes from that kind of thinking. And so you look, look to, um, you know, like Jewish people who decided that they were not going to proselytize, right? But that keeps the population small, necessarily. And, and cr cr Christians who, who, 
who have a policy of yeah or like muslims too yeah exactly and the, and there's much more global spread and then you know of course you get the clash of civilizations as the christians come up against the muslims right. but you get you know some some of that spread does happen by the sword and some of it happens by um uh j gentle and convincing uh, conversion and like when we got into the uh celtic nations as an example and we, and we and we said oh by the way thou shalt not kill uh you know as the christian missionaries did uh, apparently they encountered cultural resistance to that idea because it was like mm, no i'm i'm a, a big, big strong celt and uh i'm g g going to use that to get get what it is that i want mm -hmm. and that was the policy of the, uh, of those cultures and so so this you know it it's so, so sort of crack, cracks the idea of universal natural morality to some extent yeah yeah i think it is very difficult to come to the conclusion that there is not some kind of universal morality um because well, for one, most people subscribe to a morality, whether they like to admit it or not. Um, of course, we're coming in this country and in this time and place, we're coming from a Judeo-Christian background and philosophical bedrock. So, of course, we would say, you know, like, for example, killing is a bad thing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but to Manley's point earlier, you, it is possible to reach a conclusion where um, you, re you realize for the betterment of society, at the very least, you should adhere to something like thou shalt not kill. Although many, many societies until modern society never picked up on that at all. You know, there was not much sanctity of life pre the rise of Christianity, basically. So you might be able to also argue on, on twofold. Oh, this was the point that I was going to make earlier, Manly, is like you might be able to, to, the, to what we were saying earlier about rationality versus value judgment. I think it is possible to rationalize your way to a value system like partially or completely what is expressed in the Ten Commandments. But it is also true that you have in the course of history, uh, a lot of not adhering to any of that and never reaching it until Christianity and a, and a received morality from God brought it. And we also see in modern America and modern the modern post-Christian world, that sort of unraveling too, as people leave Christianity. So <clears throat> I would say you could reach you could reach um, the morality, the Christian morality, or any kind of framework for morality from a rational standpoint, and it could have a good value judgment, but will that actually play out over time is another question that you have to ask, I think. I don't, yeah, no. I, I, think, I think if you have a if, uh, true or false statement, I would say it's true that if someone's highly intelligent and inquisitive, and wants to figure out the tr objective truth of morality and nature, then they could, technically. But I like this is going to be ruthless. But I think probably like seventy to eighty percent, maybe more than that, people would not do that. I think most yep. people need something implanted into their life. And technically, I think even further, I think most people wouldn't even take on their belief system for themselves. I think most people are behaving a certain way because of the people around them. Um, and I'm just saying this because I've been in Christian circles. I'm still a Christian. And um, like I said, it sounds kind of ruthless. But if I ask, like, probably the vast majority of the Christians I know, like, why do you believe what you believe? Why do you think this is true? Why do you think this is true? Like, 
Well, I, like it, the answer would be for someone that would consider themselves an intellectual that's analytical, like it would be like, oh, you have no idea why you believe anything you're believing right now. I'm glad you're not out here murdering people because your friends don't murder people. But <laughs> what if your Peer friends pressure. murder people? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. yeah. I mean, you'd probably it's true. just say I mean, if I'm being totally honest and I look like straight into my soul, if I didn't live in a culture where uh, the Christian inherited morality was the um, universal accepted morality, I would find it very easy to rationalize, uh, take what I want for my purposes, even at the expense of human life, you know? Yeah. Um, because everybody else is at that point. Yeah. Also exactly. doing it, right? Yeah. It's like if you could take it one notch lower than like, let's just kill everybody. If you let, let, look at yeah. other countries, for example, that are not the United States, corruption is so rampant that you basically, most people just end up bribe, using bribes and doing whatever, engaging in whatever the corruption is, because if you don't, you will be taken out. You know, and yeah, I think that that's, right. I think that's another hazard of like the, the uh, sort of social aspect of morality that you were just talking about. 100%. Yeah, my view, yeah, and my view of morality is kind of like, I, I think it emphasizes behavior too much, especially even if I were to consider it from a Christian lens, just because we're not supposed to be the ones earning heaven, it's supposed to be a gift that we accept. And so I don't even like the words good and bad because it also seems to emphasize that. It seems more like health versus unhealth. Like healthier people just naturally make better or more moral decisions. Like hungry people are going to commit more crimes than not hungry people. And it's just a matter of like if, if they feel like they have everything they need, it's a lot more likely that they're going to give. And yeah. maybe if they don't have a structure or an ideal where that's the case, that might not happen. But like if they have this general idea of, oh, that's the good thing, they also have to be healthy or in some sort of good place themselves in order to make that natural or sustainable. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, go ahead, Eric. Well, I'm 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 cur curious to 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 about this idea of like um, uh, poverty creates criminality, and I think to some extent that is true, but I, I think. <laughs> think about the people who were in like the worst conditions of their life like people in the uh, the um death camps at uh, in in the holocaust and and um how some of them chose to do bad and some of them did not and the the and the separator in those two populations <laughs> seem to be faith and that i think mm -hmm. is an important consideration as well yeah i agree i think there is a i think part of like what makes people feel like they have enough or not isn't always like the tangible food for example it might also be the community or the reward of the relationship so if they have faith in a relationship that's their uh food i guess you could say yeah, yeah right. I would say right to the poverty aspect when you're talking about people who have their needs met or who are healthy, it also applies to like um, your mental state, your attitude, your emotions. If you're not healthy there too, it's going to cause problems, which I think we see, you know, I, I think we see that a lot nowadays. I think one of the, in such a sort of decadent society that we live in one of the prevailing problems is the mental health aspect of our lives and where that we become deficient in that we start to see stuff just like crumble away okay we have a couple more comments here rose says what are your thoughts on the duality between good and evil is a non-dual approach useful okay that's a good question you might have to explain a little bit more what you mean about duality here but i'll take a stab a stab at it i guess the idea of like a binary of things could be good or bad um versus reframing whatever it is to be different than either a good or a bad maybe something like that my inclination is to say that um that there is there is a duality I think that, like, if you're taking, there's, um, now here's where I get in over my head. 
I think in like Taoism, maybe it's the yin and the yang where there's good and, and evil balanced and like you need both, you know, to balance the universe. Um, I think that that concept makes sense in many ways, but I don't personally, I don't think it's actually true. I do think that there are there uh, are ways that there is a good and a bad duality and it is possible for one to exist without the other. Like you don't need in perpetuity both to exist to balance. If that makes sense. If I'm not answering your question, you can clarify. Anybody else have anything on this one? Well, it's it's uh, kind of a spectrum, right? I mean, it's it's not just just good and evil. It's sort of everything in between, and multiple axes can exist. So yeah simultaneously that way too yeah and i want to like okay oh, you're good no you go ahead no so, okay are we doing this again yeah. <laughs> yes all right <laughs> well i remember my comment this time okay so like in native american cultures uh this is just something i remember from teaching was um that they would tell stories about like the straight path and the crooked path and it wasn't a bad path it was just crooked so it's just like it's different, but not worse. And I think that's an interesting perspective of like, if it's needed for something good to exist, it's like not, it's like night and day. And even though night might have a negative connotation, it's only showing the distinctness of the two sides. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that is a very, very useful way to look at life um, and to be able to get through whatever path you're on, however crooked it may be. Um, to be able to look at it in uh, some new lens or a new way. However, I would still say that objectively, <laughs> there are some things that are preferred over others and that are quote unquote better than others, whether or not you can find some way that it, you know, that it all works out in the end. As the Christians say, um, all things work together for the good of those who love God, something like that. You know. Yeah, I have a thought on this as well. As a, uh, I think when we, uh, if we make questions like this too abstract, it becomes really hard to find an answer. But for me, I like to simplify things and make them kind of down to earth and ask myself like, okay, on like a more practical scale, like how could I ask myself this question? And then I try to think of the extremes like, okay, what's the worst thing you could think of that no one would say it's not evil? Like, um, raping a young child is yep. there ever a way you could say oh that's good or oh, i love having a non-dual perspective on <laughs> raping a child like what's the good in this how could we see the good in this and maybe a freak could find the good in it like oh that person's gonna be stronger now because they got raped or like um, i enjoyed it <laughs> yeah something weird yeah yeah um i think that even though it's a visceral argument, like it's like, okay, yeah, probably like you could, you could come at it from a non-dual approach and find a way to make things good. And some people that helps them to maintain sanity. Um, but technically I think, I think a non-dual approach is more of a weakness. I think that it's like, if you really want to find the objective truth, admit that things are wrong and find a way to work through it in um, an objectively true fashion even though it's harder work yeah i think it ultimately long term it's going to make more sense and it'll yes. be more consistent with creating a better world because a non-dual approach to children being raped is like you're not going to have the full force of saying it's wrong that children get raped or anything else along that lines you know what i mean yeah, yeah. yes thank you for bringing us back to concrete reality um <laughs> the way that i've heard that uh sort of that sort of um it's a how, what am I trying to say? Oh, well, forget the context. The way, another way that you could say it is, is it better to give a beggar a loaf of bread than to curb stomp a child? You know, like if you were to ask any person of those two things, is one or the other better? You would have- Yes. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> From a non-dual perspective, a lot I can see the benefits. Otherwise. Well, that's the problem. I mean, I mean, to the extent, I mean, not no non-dual morality in s s some contexts sounds nice and in those gray, gray areas you know i think it's more applicable but 
I don't think anybody actually lives with right. non-dual reality that they yeah. that they always have some things that that are like oh well the this is actually very good and this is actually very bad despite their overall uh, proclaimed worldview yeah but i think i kind of am not that dualistic about it like so for example from this example and even like in my field i have to counsel people who do things like that and like we have to have unconditional positive regard to do it and so i the way i look at it too is like everybody has like neural connection issues that we cannot understand and that the innate desires came from something that worked in a different context. So the sexual desire that worked in a context, His, that person's desire for connection works in a context. The fact that he used it to rape a little girl, I mean, that is viscerally something you just want to defend and things like that. But I feel like also there is a brokenness it's like maladaptive so it's like i don't want to call it even though of course it's bad but like if i were to help that person it wouldn't be to say do better because there's so much going on that this person can't overcome he knows there's consequences it's like there's something there are good things in him that are used in a bad way so to yeah, me that makes it not dualistic yeah, yeah i can see that point of view and i do think it is very useful in the face of painful or damaging things that uh you can't change or are thrust upon you or are very difficult to change it is useful to be able to look at it in a less dualistic perspective so that you're able to not either spiral or like blame yourself or blame others or to, to just get out of um the trapping feeling that that has um but yeah i do think i do think there is something to be said for as at base some kind of objective morality good question okay D jacob says doesn't sanctity of life predate judeo-christian values with karma and eastern religions um i wouldn't be surprised uh i would I, I guess you could say although they do in eastern uh religions i'm not so sure if in religions or just in eastern culture in general there's a lot of like honor killings and stuff like that i don't know too much about this um but i guess my point was more to say that the proliferation of this value across the world was brought by judeo-christian uh values which in in a vacuum in absence of those something else might have brought it you know i'm not saying that it's possible but yeah, I don't know enough about that, but he did say. And the, I, I did and some the quick Google part. I'm sorry, Emily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did some quick Googling before the comment, and it seemed true at the surface, but I don't know if karma is 1500 BC. BCE is the same as karma now. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that either, but maybe I'll do some Googling. Eric was going to make a good Judeo point, I think, about ancient history. Yes. So, so the Jew, Jewish calendar is actually about 6,000 years old. So that's so, so, something that fits yeah. into the calculation too about the about the ancientness of this of this moral framework. Yeah, true. If you're following back all the way back to the, the very beginning, that would be a, inside in one of the main veins of world philosophy and world religion okay uh more dumb questions no question well some questions are dumb but probably yours aren't no, um if there is a duality then who decides what is good and bad is that what religion is for well i would say it depends on what you mean by what religion is for it, meaning in order to dictate what's good and bad i would say no in order to more easily discover and reveal what's good and bad probably in my opinion yes because if you like i said earlier i'm not a relativist um though it might sound like it from the way that i talk sometimes because i'm so reticent to like take a hard stance on anything because i'm always considering the possibility of looking at it from a different angle however i do think that um I do think that if you spend enough time at it, what Manley was saying earlier about realizing that what 
the mechanics of the reality that we live in have rules built into them um, that reveal what's good and bad, regardless of what religion you take on. I think it becomes self-evident if you can look look at it closely enough. Um, and within that truth, uh, that fits in with my personal views on religion and my personal views uh, on God. So those two things fit together. And from that perspective, religion is like a lens or a magnifying glass to what is good and bad. Um, but I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily determining what is good and bad. It just is based on how the world is created, how the universe is created or exists. Anybody else? That was really good. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I wanted to say, say, say uh, to the, to the, uh, to the, uh, the uh, duality of uh, good and bad that we've been discussing. St st Stephanie, I can see where you, you as a th therapist, it's uh, cr cr critical for you to be able to empathize with with um, all of your clients and um, no matter what they've done and um, that and that is a skill that the that, that I think all of us sh sh should have to s s some extent and I think that that the only other side of the calculation is that we, is that we have to be able to at some point point make the judgment is this a good thing to do or a a bad thing to do and it sounds like you like you have because you described described it as maladaptive is that is that fair yes because it's maladaptive it's uh, a sign of sickness so he needs healing but i wouldn't say like bad dog do better kind of thing <laughs> i don't think people are sim that simple yeah. And, and I do think even, even to the point of having empathy and understanding for people who have those wounds and those maladaptive behaviors requires some kind of at least implied adherence to a moral order. Because if not, then there would be no problem to just say, I personally don't like it. So, you know, off with your head type of thing. The fact that we're driven to some kind of um, trying to view what people do in a charitable and understanding way is like acknowledging some kind of moral order. So I guess my question is then, does morality come first or does what works or what doesn't work for someone come first? Yeah, that's a good question. Do you have an opinion or are you asking us? Well, I, I always have an opinion, but oh, I ain't asking. Okay, also. launch into your opinion then. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I feel like morality is built around uh, what helps people bloom and like what helps people grow and create a society. And what breaks societies apart is what becomes what's maladaptive. Like we are naturally made to live in a community and to help each other survive. And if there's an a, like an action that is being used in a context that is incorrect, that's gonna break that apart. And I think that like morality is just our social way of communicating that to each other so that we can make this work. Okay, that makes sense to me. I would say that, would you go so far as to say that in collective agreement, societies can create their own morality? Uh, I think that I guess that morals are relative to the values of that community and it could change depending on the resources available in that place. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say like having less kids is a lot more valuable to people with less space or less resources. Whereas people who are fighting animals in the wilderness or work in the farm need more kids. So mm -hmm. maybe like uh, not having sex before marriage is not the same weight in that community versus another. So I think there are examples where morality can be relative. Whereas maybe there are some things that just don't work ever. So yeah. that would just be a commonality. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I don't want to completely disagree with it um, because I think that oftentimes 
um, because it's difficult to use your brain and noggin, um, myself included, it's hard to really take apart all of the variables and all the nuances of something so that you could say objectively something is good or bad. However, I would say my instinct, and I can't prove this because I can't prove anything, <laughs> is that <laughs> if you took a thousand societies and let them play out in in similar or different conditions over time, you would see a condensed, you would see a revelation or a pattern of certain moral um, codes that play out over and over and over again in those societies, even if they were isolated. I, I agree with that. Um, and on, Stephanie, on the token that you're talking about, I think I, First off, I think your position is super important. The thing that you do is really important. Um, I don't know if there's too many things I'm more passionate about than this concept of uh, restoring the people that are struggling the most in society, which I would describe as the people like someone like what we're talking about. Like, um, and I think it takes more effort. And I think it takes more effort to empathize with. And also, I think it's there may be nothing more important than helping the people that are in that state, because I don't think we're going to achieve the more ideal world that we want until we figured out how to help the least of these. And in my opinion, the least of these are the people that are doing what society would consider the worst evils and maybe not knowing why, um, or maybe even being confident of them knowing why. And it sounds horrible. Um, I think that you would agree with me when I said, when I say, I think that probably there's, um, People, we need to help these people a lot more than we just need to send them to the freaking electric chair, like a lot of people would say. That's pretty stupid, in my opinion, because um, obviously we have a reason why they pop up and killing people isn't the solution to solving the problem long term. But for me, the answer to that would be instead of like changing my uh, foundational philosophy is like, of hey, there's probably a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, or at least a more right way and a less right way. Um, Instead of saying certain things are okay to make myself be okay, I would say, no, that's wrong, but grace exists, which is a very fundamental aspect of the Christian uh, belief system. If it's done correctly, I think grace would be, yo, I know you did probably one of the most wretched things that could exist, but guess what? You're loved anyways. You deserve a life anyways. I'm going to do everything possible to help you have a good life. And that's what God did for you. That's what Jesus did for you doesn't matter that you raped a kid or technically it does matter but that doesn't mean that you don't deserve a path to restoration which i think is what that's where a lot of people struggle is they're like oh this thing can be the worst thing ever and we still have to fight for the goodness of that person yeah that's the beauty of what this is and that's what's i think mentally transformative is when someone realizes oh i've done a bunch of bull crap but i still deserve everything good on this belief system. Wow. That's transformative to my mental state. Like those neurons, I've seen people that like their life was effed up and they're like, wow, I deserve good things. Anyways, God loves me. Anyways, I deserve love and forgiveness and a good life. And something about that belief system in and of itself is transformative to our mental state. I don't, I don't think it always does the right thing immediately because I think it takes a really real, a very real understanding, but I think a lot of these people, you've probably seen it, but I would imagine there's a lot of people that they come in to see you and they've gotten judgment and shame from everyone else. And then you're like, hey, you deserve love. And they're like, holy F. And then it probably begins to transform them in a certain way. And I would say that's that's a Christological love that you're giving them that a lot of Christians aren't doing right. Because if they were, then the world would be like, well, why is this person such a good person? I'm a douche yeah. and they love me anyways. Instead, we're like, hey, you suck. You're going to burn in hell. <laughs> and they're yeah, like, yo, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't sound great to me. I don't Jacob know. has an interesting uh, comment on this topic too in the chat. Yes, I'll I'll bring it up in just a second. But to piggyback on what um, Manly was saying, I, I love that. And I agree with that 100%. And I think there was, um, if you guys ever read the book called, what book is it in? I think it's called The God-Shaped Heart um, by a psychiatrist named Tim Jennings. He talks about studies that show that people who meditate on um, a, on God regularly have increased mental health, health, and that people who 
meditate on a God of love and forgiveness have even more increased mental health. So just the practice itself, um, devoid of any belief system of meditation, uh, can help you. But if you actually believe in a God who loves you and forgives you, then it will have an even bigger benefit. Okay, let's keep going. This is, I think this is my dad. Uh, hi, dad. It says, Jesus said the universe operates by love. I believe he was right. Everything else is damaging in the long or short run. Yeah, I think that love is a pretty, pretty high top line value. Love and freedom are my two top values. Jacob says, I worked for a criminal defense firm for felonies for a few years and talked to a lot of these people. And the majority of the people I dealt with don't even comprehend what they did wrong. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier of like, um, your surroundings, your culture, your social circle, your uh, brain capacity, your all of the those different things play into what you understand as good or bad, and what you understand as what you need to do to live and operate, you know, in the world. Okay, cool. We just have a few more minutes here. Um, do you? Do you guys have any rabbit holes that you want to go down or things that you want to talk about to wrap up here? Well, I'm, 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 here's a couple of big rabbit holes that we won't won't have time for, but I'll just throw them out there. One is the, I think empathy is, is critical to a, functioning society and and i also think to some some extent we we rely on a society to keep people from hurting other people because sometimes they just don't don't understand and maybe can't understand why they shouldn't you know it's like if you uh uh, had a button. Sorry to go back to World War II, but if you had a button that could just delete all of the Nazis, will, uh, would you pr- 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 press it? And if so, is that a lack of empathy on on your part? I would say maybe not. Um, so, so that's rabbit hole number one. <laughs> number two. Pr- Practically speaking, um, I I wonder about things like heaven and hell from from a biological perspective. I think that there are other ways that people could experience the those, if not just in their own mind, Um, when uh, people are in accidents as they um, get, get close to death, they tend to get time dilated. Uh, the, there was a st- st- story ab- about a uh, guy in a motorcycle c- accident who was able to write a p- p- poem to the beat of his uh, helmet bouncing down the road because he was that time stretched and he, he was per, perceiving way more t- time than, yeah. than was actually happening. And I wa- wa- wonder if as people die, they can get time dilated and enter into either the, the their the, their own personal heaven or their own personal hell so what you're saying is in order to time travel we should wreck our cars yes <laughs> yeah, man let's do a mass car wrecking no that is very interesting um i would i'm interested in learning more about that concept because you know i think if anybody's ever had like a high adrenaline like body shocking experience like that you know it is kind of it does feel like way longer than it is um 
But yeah, I don't know really much science about that. But that's a great sort of closing brain teaser <laughs> to close this out on. Thanks for coming, Eric. I really appreciate Gosh. it. I'm glad that you were able to come and give your perspective. Of and course. I just wanted to thank everybody again for joining us, for joining the discussion. Um, as I said at the beginning, this will be available to watch back um, on YouTube and Facebook and also tomorrow when I upload the audio to the podcast. So if you want to share it to your friends, uh, there's a lot more to talk about. And I think we're getting to some of the interesting parts, you know, not that the other ones weren't interesting, but deeper down the rabbit hole is what I say. And hopefully we'll get to some more like contentious things between so far. I think we've all been fairly, you know, we may have little differences, but fairly aligned in the major areas. We'll see if we can like uncover some of our disagreements along the way. Um, so we'll see you next week. Share this to your friends. And thanks again, everybody. Have a good night.